what better way to start off the month of Halloween <laughs> than that? I hope you're not fully traumatized. On the other hand, people ask, why do I show videos to start off with? It, it's a communication technique to help you remember the heart of the core of the message. And I hope there's something in there you won't forget. At least I think I've probably permanently done that, maybe scarred you for life. I don't know. Uh, so last week we started off with a William Wallace clip uh, in which I, I cut off part of the, the speech there and I just began with his message was to hold. Uh, in the battle, if you're going to be battle ready, if you're going to do what God's called you to do, you need to stand firm. And so he says, hold, hold, hold. And they're coming at him, they're coming at him. And he says, hold. Uh, because after all, if you look throughout scripture, that's what God continues to tell you to do. Over in Ephesians 6, when he says, put on the full armor of God, he says, you put on the full armor of God so you can stand firm. And after you've done everything you can to stand firm, you know what I want you to do next? Stand firm some more. Uh, and so you can stand firm. And so the message over and over and over again throughout Scripture, stand firm uh, through the trials that come into your life. And we see uh, this was displayed in, in Job's life when there's this issue that comes up and, and Satan says, you know, does Job really love you? And the question is, will Job stand firm? Will he hold true to his relationship with God or will he run? Will he turn his back on God in the middle of that moment? And what does Job do throughout the whole book? He stands firm. Uh, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Should I accept the good from the Lord and not the bad? Uh, nothing is going to change my stance. I'm going to continue to put my hope in him. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. We see that perfectly in Job. Uh, we see that this was foretold is what Jesus would do, that he would have a face like stone uh, when it comes to that moment. And sure enough, I love the way the, the passion of the Christ begins. It's that moment where he stands up and just stomps his, on, the, on the snake. And it's this picture, I'm taking a stand and I'm not backing down. Uh, and this is exactly what God's called us to do in the face of a trial. A trial, of course, is anything that comes in your life uh, which can test your faith, which can test your relationship with God and put it to the test. It could be an illness, could be a relationship issue, could be a financial issue, and, and those are trials. And what God wants you to do in the midst of trial is to stand firm. However, sometimes we get this confused with a temptation. And trials and temptations are not the same thing. And you need to understand a trial is that which is put in your life to test your relationship with God or test your faith in God, whereas a temptation is not from God. It's something that you did on your own, went down someplace you shouldn't have been, and you shouldn't have anything to do with it. And what God tells you to do for each of these two things is very, very, very different. And because we confuse them, we fail again and again and again. When it comes to a trial, God says stand firm. When it comes to temptation, run. You should hear that music playing when you're in the midst of a temptation. That's why I played it, just so you would hear that. I hope that you'd be in a situation, and you'll hear that and sense that music coming, and you will run. There's only one guy in that video clip who doesn't run. And what happened to him? <laughs> if you're listening and you're not able to see the video, he got a bug in his mouth. That's what happened. He's, he's watching a bug crawl up his tie, and it jumps right in his mouth because he should have run. Should have listened. No, he should have run. He should run. Uh, let's see what Scripture says about this multiple times. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, he talks about in relation to money and greed. He says, you know, come on, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for it uh, have wandered from the faith. They pierced themselves with many kinds of grief. But you, man of God, flee from this. I like the word uh, the Bible uses most often to translate the word flee, which run is like, you could be running from anything, but flee is like, Wah! you know, it's just run for your life, right? Sorry. Good case. All right. <laughs> but flee is that picture of get out of here, which is why in those videos, like the guy who's got the snake tied to his leg, it's not a snake, it's a rubber snake, but the guy who's got a snake tied to his leg, what's that guy doing? Is he just running? 
No, he is fleeing for his life from the attack snake that somehow seems to be able to follow him around the yard. It is flee. Uh, over in 2 Timothy, now 2 Timothy is, a, a past, is, is a, what we studied last week. At the very end of 2 Timothy, he talks to Timothy and says, now I have fought the good fight. I have stood firm throughout my life against everything that's come into my life. And he gives Timothy the admonition of how to stand firm in the midst of the trials that you face. Well, after he talks about standing firm in chapter 1, in chapter 2 he says this to Timothy, flee the evil desires of your youth. Uh, all these things that you want to chase after when you're a kid uh, that just seems to come at you, flee the evil desires of your youth. It's sort of like saying, come on, man, you got to grow up. Why are you still struggling with the same things you were chasing after when you were 10, 12, 15, 20 years old? Come on, man, you're a grown man by now. Flee the evil desires of your youth. Over in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee sexual immorality. You'll find this again and again and again. God's primary thing when it comes to sin that you're facing with the temptation. When you're facing temptation, God says, run. That's his battle plan. Now, what gets confusing about all this is, for some reason, we think that God wants us to uh, stay there and fight. We, we, it's almost like as if we, we brag to our friends about how we stood strong in the face of temptation. Yeah, man, she was coming on to me, and I said, not today. No way. Uh-uh, I don't want no part of that. I'm a married man. And, and we want to brag when we stood firm in temptation. Uh, we're in the store. There's a sale, and I said, not today, Satan. I'm not going there, Right? Right? We, we want to brag about how we were strong and, and we stood up to temptation. But see, here's the thing. If you make your battle plan to stand firm and stand strong against temptation, what's going to happen eventually? There's going to be some battle that you're not prepared to fight, and eventually, eventually, you're going to fall. And for some things, it only takes once. For some people, it only takes one drop and they're back on it, Right? They just one, one hit, and they're back on it. One kiss, and they're going down a bad path, right? For some people, it just can take one thing. And if your battle plan is to stand and fight when God says to run, eventually, 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 you're going to fall. Here's a crazy thing. Tell me if this isn't satanic at its core. Satan always twists everything. And sometimes he'll twist it, and he'll just get it like one little, one, he'll just mix up one little thing. You ever notice that when we're in the midst of a trial, when God says stand firm, when we're in the midst of trials, we want to run from them? And then when it comes to temptations, for some reason we think God wants us to stand firm on them instead of running from them. We just flip those two things around. If you're in a trial, stand firm. If you're in a temptation, run. But so often in the trial we try to run, in the temptation we think God's calling us to stand firm. Like as if we're supposed to be some sort of special forces warrior for Jesus. No, that's not what I want you to do at all. There are some battles you run from. That's the strategy. Now, maybe Sir Robin had it right all along, right? You remember brave, brave Sir Robin? There was never a fight he wouldn't fight, but then he sees something he shouldn't fight, and what's he do? Sir Robin ran away, 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 away. Some of y'all get this. This is uh, Monty Python's and the Holy Grail, right? And it says, uh, when danger reared his ugly head, Sir Robin turned his tail and red, right? Anyways, moving on. Um, when you think that, is, that you are strong enough to stand up against temptation, you're in a place where I would almost dare say that there's a pride about that, right? And that's, what, that's the enticement, that I can be strong enough to face temptation. There's a pride that comes about that, you know, there's no temptation, I can't fight. I'm strong enough to handle it now. And what do we say about pride? Pride comes before the fall. Over in 1 Corinthians, he says it this way. So if you think you're standing firm, now, 
standing firm in a situation you shouldn't be standing firm in, right? Can we be, can we be clear on that? If you think you're standing firm in a situation you shouldn't be standing firm in to begin with, he says, be careful that you don't fall, right? Same thing. Pride goes before the fall, right? When you think you're standing firm and you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and you've got this thing kicked. Remember a couple of weeks ago, or a week or so ago, I talked about how I was talking to a friend of mine who was in a, a Celebrate Recovery type program, and I said, you know, so when are you done? And he says, I never am. Because as soon as you get to the point where you think you're strong enough and you think you're standing firm, you better watch out because that's when you're going to fall. So he says, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. Secondly, no temptation is overtaken you except which is common to mankind. Now, although you may have a different temptation than somebody else, somebody else is dealing with the same thing you are. Flat out, okay? There are different kinds of temptations, but there is no temptation that's unique to you and only you. That's why you can come to Celebrate Recovery, and there's a group for you. There is. Because it doesn't matter what your hurt, habit, or hang-up is, there's somebody else struggling with it. But what'll happen is because you're struggling with something different than maybe your wife's struggling with, you think, oh, it's only me that's dealing with this. No, 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 there's a bunch of you out there. You just don't happen to live with them, right? So he says, no temptations is taking you except which is common to man. In other words, you haven't been singled out for this. Everybody's struggling with different things. So he goes on, he says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my friends, flee idolatry. And we'll probably, hopefully we'll get into idolatry a little bit more. Idolatry basically is where you're looking to something or someone else other than God to meet a need that only God can meet. Uh, this is sort of a quick summary of idolatry. So it says, you know, flee from idolatry. So flee, once again, what's the battle plan? Run, flee, get the heck out of there. Now, if you're praying for strength to stand up against temptation, I don't know if God's gonna answer that prayer. I don't know, because God doesn't want you to be strong in the face of temptation. He wants you to be praying for better running shoes. God, make me quicker, make me swifter, make me faster. Those are the prayers God wants you to be praying when it comes to temptation. God, when it comes to temptation, help me run faster. Help me outrun the temptation. Second of all, if the, if the battle plan is to run, God's trying to help you with that battle plan. So if you're trying to get God to help you with the battle plan to fight, he's not going to help you with that one. His battle plan is to run. What's he doing? He says, I'll provide you a way out. I'll provide you a escape hatch. I want you to run, and I'll give you a door you can run through. That's what he's saying. So maybe our prayer needs to change from God make me stronger to God help me see my way out. Help me see the door you're opening to get me out of this mess. Help me realize that you're putting something here to get me out. Now, anybody ever done an escape room? All right, how many of y'all say I'm never doing the escape room? A couple of y'all. Here's, here's why an escape room works to begin with. I mean, the very thought that I'm going to lock you in a room, for some of you, are like, nope, not doing that. Mm -mm, nope, claustrophobic, not doing that. But the reason why an escape room works is because you're told on the front end, there's a way out. And so you do whatever you can possibly do, as quick as you can possibly do it, to find the way out because you're guaranteed there's a way out. When it comes to temptation, God says, you're in an escape room. There is a way out. I've talked with Micah about this. He won't do it, but I really think he should. I wanted to do an escape room for the youth, but not actually have a way out. <laughs> you know, just because I'm, you know, cruel like that. If I can find a good biblical message for it, maybe I could convince him to do it. However, I think the youth are all going to be quite skeptical when they come, hey guys, we're doing an escape room. Um, but the thing is, when it comes to your temptation, sometimes you think you're in a room that you can't get out of. And God says, no, 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 
I will provide you a way out. And maybe what your prayer needs to be is, God, help me recognize the way out. And the way out can look something like this. You're in the middle of something, somewhere you shouldn't be, doing something you shouldn't be doing, and your phone rings. And your thought is, ah, darn telemarketer. Nope, it was not a telemarketer. That was God providing you a way out, getting you to stop what you're doing, getting you to think, so you pick up your phone and go, hello? Yeah, hello, hello. This isn't about your car warranty. It's giving you a chance to think about yourself and what you're doing right now. Sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a friend of yours calling. Maybe it's your wife calling something. And just calling to see if you could pick up you know, groceries on the way home or something. That's not what that call was about. That was God giving you a way out in that moment. You're somewhere buying something you shouldn't buy and your credit card, you go to swipe the credit card and it glitches. That wasn't a glitch. It wasn't a glitch. Now here's the thing. If you're praying when it comes to your temptation on the front end for God to provide you a way out, God, help me see the way out and help me run through that door when it's open. What will happen is when that credit card glitches, you'll run out of the store. You won't say swipe again. You'll notice in that moment it was just a pause. It was a glitch. It was a, it was a disruption in the pattern of what was going on where God's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right before you do this, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you one last chance to run. The question is, are you going to run or are you going to just hang up the phone? Are you going to recognize that was God, or are you just going to think it was just a telemarketer or some other glitch? It's God saying there's a way out. And God says, there's no temptation that you can't handle. He doesn't say there's no temptation you can't fight. There's no temptation, what he's saying is that you can't run from. That's what he's saying. If you don't know what the battle plan is, you'll try to stand and fight when you should run. And he says, I'm going to provide you a way out. You're not in a room that you can't get out of. Now, in a trial, stand and fight. Stand firm. Hold on to God in the, in the midst of those moments. Don't back down. When it's a temptation, run. What would be better than running from the temptation? Anybody? Let's just avoid it altogether, right? Why run from something? Why run from a battle I should never be in in the first place? And that's the other thing you'll see in Scripture. Maybe I'm doing this backwards. Maybe this should be the last resort, but Let's just face it, sometimes you're in the middle of it, but you're in a place, we always call it, we say, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. And God would say, hey, when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, run. Would you not say that just about every one of those situations is somebody was in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? You're out fishing and you find you caught, you caught a crocodile? Uh-uh, that shouldn't be a place you're fishing to begin with. Can we agree on that? <laughs> That's never happened to me. I've never been fishing and caught a crocodile. Why? Because I don't fish in crocodile lakes. I just don't do that, right? Maybe there's a reason for a farmer to go and approach a calf right in front of the mama. I'm not doing it. Sorry, I'm going to find some other way to do that other than out in the open field. I don't want to be there in the wrong place at the wrong time, so i got to run. But you know what other than that? Not being there in the first place. Solomon tells this to his sons over in uh, Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, I'll start in verse 14. He says, Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evildoers. Here's the verse I want you to memorize, though. Verse 15. Proverbs 4.15. Avoid it. Don't travel on it, turn from it, and go your own way. That's, that's the verse. Can we say that again? Avoid it, don't travel on it, turn from it, go your own way. Avoid it, don't travel on it, turn from it, go your own way. Avoid it, don't travel on it. That's not that funny. No, seriously. Avoid it, don't travel on it, turn from it, go your own way. Right? That's what his advice is. You know, picture your son saying, you know, hey, avoid it. Don't travel on it. 
turn from it, go your own way. A couple years back, I shared this story called a, it's called a story of how to, cho- uh, how, to ch- how to change in five days. It says, I was walking down the street, I was on my way to work, and there was this hole full of mud. I didn't even notice it. I stepped right in and it messed up my pants, ruined my whole day, had to go back, get changed. And I thought to myself, man, it's not my fault. Somebody shouldn't have put that hole there to begin with. Day two, I'm walking down the same street on my way to work, and I came up to that hole. I wasn't paying attention, and I fell in the same hole. Can you believe that? Man, I'm an idiot. That's my fault. I knew the hole was there. I shouldn't have stepped in it the first place. Day three, walking on my way to work, got distracted, wasn't thinking about it. Can you believe this? I fe- Has this ever happened to you? Fell in the same hole three days in a row. Maybe it's forced habit. I don't know. And I started thinking to myself, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Day four, I walked down that same street. I thought to myself, not today. I avoided it. I went around. said, you know, I'm getting a lot better at this. Day five, I looked at that street and thought to myself, I think there's a better way I can walk to work. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. Like, go a different way, is what he's saying. Go a different way. Find a different way. Some of you need to be working in a different place. Some of you need to be hanging out in a different place. Some of you need to have different friends. Some of you don't need to be going to the mall to kill time or to Walmart or to Target or whatever it is to kill time. It's just not a good place for you to be. You need to avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. That's what you need to be doing. Go a different way to work. For me, that was my thing. When I was trying to lose weight, I couldn't pass a donut store. That's, that was my thing. Donuts were my, were my Achilles heel. Now I live in a place I can't possibly go to work without passing a donut store. But anyways, that's a different story. Uh, remember several years back, uh, there was a big thing. I think it was Michael Irvin's uh, last time that he got publicly arrested. He was still at the Cowboys. Uh, Deion Sanders and him had become good friends when Deion was playing for the Cowboys. And Dion had had this sort of come-to-Jesus moment in his life and uh, was on fire for God and had been sharing his faith with Michael Irvin, and Michael Irvin had become a Christian, and then all of a sudden Michael Irvin gets busted for cocaine and, prostitu- and being with prostitutes in a hotel room. And everybody came out, was, you know, piling on him and saying, oh, you know, thought he was a Christian, and how could this happen, and on and on and on. And so several things came out of that, and uh, in the midst of that, Michael Irvin was talking about it after the fact, and he says, control you think you're in control? Tell me what you think you have control of, and I'll put something in front of you so you realize you don't have control of that thing. What's he saying? Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go a different way or go your own way. He's saying, I realized I can't stand and fight. I thought I could. Later on, Deion Sanders was talking about this and talks about how he and Irvin were once partners in crime. This is an article talking about we're once partners in crime, and they were friends who it says, poured their hearts into whoring and partying as well as football. Today, it says, Sanders is just one of several sports figures who will go to bat for Irvin, vouching for him and all the positive things he's done in his life. This is why this was all in the news. And it says, Sanders talks about how he and uh, Michael talk just about every single day and encouraging one another to stay on the straight and narrow. Uh, and Sanders says, you know, I told him, temptation will never cease. Sanders says, that's why I told him, I don't put myself in those situations, in those environments where I'm going to fail. I know if the oven's too hot for me, I don't have to touch it to find that out. I know it's too hot. 
And I've already been there. I've already done that. And I told Michael, if you were to put me in a room with cocaine and hookers, I wouldn't stand a chance in that room either. And if you have a problem with drugs and with women, you wouldn't stand a chance either. I often say, say about Tiger Woods, you know, I don't blame the guy. If I had lived that lifestyle, it would only be a matter of time for me too. Right? Think about this. You put a billion dollars in my bank account, you let me fly around the world without my wife, you know, with, without any accountability, where everybody around me is sucking off of me for their very existence, okay, so they're not going to ever, ever, ever rat me out for anything, and then have women all over the place fawning all over me. How long would any of you last? I'm not saying it justifies what he did, I'm just saying you put anybody in these situations. The strategy is not stand and fight. It's run. Don't be it. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Find a different way to go. You know, go some other way. Uh, it's the nature of temptation, James talks about it. In the book of James, he starts off in James 1. He starts talking about trials. The opening part of James, he talks about how consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, because trials are all about you know, producing the, the endurance and the perseverance as you move through them. And then he gets to verse 12, and he says this. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under the trial, having stood the test. For that person will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's what Paul was talking about, how I finished, fought the good fight, I finished the course. I've won the race, and now for me there's a crown you know, of righteousness which is laid up for me. He's saying, do this. You know, persevere in your relationship with God. Uh, right after he says that in verse 12, he says this, verse 13. But when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, when tempted, is dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Uh, so when he says here, when, when, when you're tempted... Don't say God is tempting me. God may put you in a trial, but God is not tempting you. What happens is typically when you're in a trial that you're supposed to stand in, you run from it. And when you run from it, know where you typically run? To a temptation. Yeah, right? Maybe your trial is you're struggling in your marriage relationship, and when you want to run from that, typically you'll run to something that is a temptation. You'll look to find your needs for security or intimacy or relational connection somewhere you shouldn't. And so it becomes a temptation for you. If you're struggling financially, you, you oftentimes, instead of enduring it through that season, you'll run from that and look for some relief to that, whether it might be debt or theft or something else, and you'll run towards something that is a temptation for you. you know, if your struggle is going through a painful circumstance, and maybe you're trying to stave off depression, your struggle is going to not be looking for some escape that will buy you quick happiness, retail therapy, or something else. So typically you'll do something to short-circuit the process and get out of the, 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 the trial before, before it's, it's had its full time. And so typically we will run from our, tempta- our, our trials and we'll run straight into temptation. And we'll blame God saying, oh, well, God brought this, this trial in my life. Yeah, he brought the trial, not the temptation. The temptation was something you ran to when you were in the midst of the trial that God put you in. We clear on that? So don't get those two things confused. The temptation you're supposed, to, you're supposed to run from, the trials you're supposed to stand in. And when you get those reversed, you end up in a really bad situation. And so he says, here's the way this typically plays out. There's a thought, which leads to imagination, which leads to justification, which leads to a choice, which leads to sin, which leads to death. There's a thought, imagination, justification, a choice, a sin, death. That's the pattern. The thought, wow, huh, I, I never, never thought about that. Sure would be nice to have one of those. Man, it'd be nice to be married to that. 
Oh, what I wouldn't give for... That's the thought. He says, each of you is dragged away by your own evil desire. That desire. Here's the funny thing. He says evil desire. We would never call it an evil desire, right? It's just a desire, right? Nobody ever thinks their thoughts are evil. Isn't that kind of scary? No matter what people are doing, they never think their thoughts. We don't make moral judgments on our thoughts. They're just our thoughts, right? When you have that thought where you go, wouldn't that be nice? You don't think, that was an evil thought. It was just a thought in your mind. God calls it for what it is. He says it was an evil thought. It wasn't a thought that's in keeping with God, what God wants for you. It's a thought outside of that parameter. Um, uh, the root of sin, by the way, is thinking that there's something else out there that's going to make me happier than what God wants for me. That's the core of every sin. Thinking there's something else out there that's going to make me happier than what God wants for me. Isn't that where sin begins with Adam and Eve? You know, God said you couldn't eat of this, tr- this tree. Why is that, man? He's holding out on you. I bet the reason why is there's a better life for you if you were to eat of that tree. Then you'd, be no, you'd have the knowledge of good and evil. Just think of what it'd be like if you could be like God. He doesn't want you to, have, he's jealous of you. That's what it is. That was the first sin. Thinking that God is holding out on you, there's a better life out there if only you go pursue it by your own means. That's the thought. The thought leads to imagination. So it's just a thought. Oh, yeah, wouldn't it be nice? The imagination is, oh, so that's what it would be like. It's where you begin to picture yourself in that car. You begin to picture yourself in that relationship. What it would be like to be with her, to have those shoes, uh, to, to not have to think about my problems for a while. This is, this is the imagination. It says, this is where you've been. The thought leads to enticed. Uh, the word entice is the same word to bait the hook. And here's this crazy thing. We bait our own hook, right? The, the baiting of the hook is the thing that makes it so enticing you almost can't resist. And the further your mind goes into imagination, you step into a world that becomes harder and harder to resist. And so the imagination then leads to a justification. One time won't hurt. It's only once. Nobody will know. What happens in Vegas? See, the justification, you know, after everything I've been through, God would want me to be happy. You know, life's too short. You know, it would be wrong not to. And so you move down to this justification, and so he says, then after desire is conceived. Uh, that word conceived can also be translated as seized. In other words, it has become a, the conceived or it has become a part of you. This is something that was outside of you that's now become a part of you. It was just a thought. It was just an imagination. But now it's become how you see the world. It's become how you see things. It's what you think is right now, you used to think was wrong. And somebody, somebody from the outside is like, what are you thinking, man? You're like, no, no, no. It makes perfect sense. You ever try to convince somebody of your own dumb justifications? And they look at you like you're nuts? But here's the thing. At this point, it's become a part of you. It's seized you. It's taken root in you. Uh, and that leads to a choice. Uh, it's where you make a choice to put yourself in a wrong place at the wrong time. The very thing you should be avoiding, the very thing that once you find you there, you need to be running from, you know, you think to yourself, you know, I'm going to stop by there after work. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to look, you know. What harm could that be? You know, a little window shopping kind of thing, you know. It's a choice. It's a choice to put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And this is where he says it gives birth. This is where it fleshes itself out in action. Up until now, it was just a thought. It it was just an imagination. It was just a rationale. But now you're making a choice. And the choice is where something's actually happening. It's giving birth. We can now all see what it is that's been inside you all this time. It can be seen because there's a choice that's been made. And once you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, unless you run, write it down. Sin. 
Now, you may be able to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifty times even, and you'll brag about how strong you are in the face of temptation. But let's face it, it's only a matter of time, right? If you think you're standing firm, watch out or else you're going to fall. It's going to happen. Write it down. God's not calling you to fight temptation. He's calling you to run, or better yet, avoid it, don't travel on it, turn from it, go a different way, right? And once sin happens, the result is death. It just kills and destroys everything in its path, your relationships and everything all the way down, and sometimes it ultimately takes your actual life. So just don't go there. Why would you want to, why would you want to end up there in the first place? So to review, if you're in a trial, what are you supposed to do? Stand. If you've run from that trial and you find yourself in a temptation, or if you find yourself in a temptation, what do you do? Run. Or better yet, avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go a different way. That's what God's saying to do in the face of temptation. Would you want me to close our time in prayer? Father, I thank you for your grace over us. This is one of those messages that's so much easier said than done. Father, every one of us will find ourselves in a place we should not be. And in those moments, help us recognize that we are in a place that we should not be and we need to run. Father, we ask you right now to make our eyes aware of the escape route that you're giving us. What is your way out, Father? Help us look for that and see it in that moment and recognize it for what it is. That when we're in the place we should not be and temptation is facing us, that we would not stand and fight, but we would run. And Father, right now as we're thinking about it, because every one of us is thinking about something that this applies to in our life, may we be thinking right now, Father, how we can avoid it, not travel on it, turn from it, and go a different way. Father, that may be a hard choice for some of us. But it's a whole lot easier than where this all leads. It's a path of destruction that is no respecter of persons and will destroy everything in its path. So Father, while it's still called today, may, may we make a choice to run, to avoid, to turn from it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.